Turn to Luke chapter 22, and we'll take up our reading there at verse 7. Luke chapter 22, and reading from verse 7 to verse 20 of that chapter. Luke chapter 22 and verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house wherein he entereth. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Amen. In this particular set of verses out of Luke's Gospel, we have the beginnings of what will become known as the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table, the breaking of bread, very simply the communion. That time when our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read, took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples and so on. And when he told them, this do in remembrance of me, So we have it in another part of the word of God with regards to the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death until he come. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 26. And this morning then, as we have come together really for that very purpose, I thought it might be good to simply go over those events of that day and that night in that upper room in the city of Jerusalem so long ago. When our Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples, this do in remembrance of me, he wasn't simply telling them to break bread and drink wine. He was telling them to realize and remember all that lay behind that thing which we, he was commanding them to do. And as I say then, it seemed appropriate that we should take up the very own words of the Saviour and that we should endeavour to understand them aright and by the grace of God 
receive a blessing to our souls in understanding them. So two very broad divisions for this morning. First of all, we'll look at the setting of the words and then we'll look at the words themselves. And as far as the setting of all of those things are concerned, the whole thing is set against the background of the Jewish feast of the Passover. Verse five, where we, uh, verse 7, where we began our reading. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And how significant those last few words of that verse really are, because the feast of the Passover always concluded with something being killed. That's how it all began at the very beginning, way back in the land of Egypt, when the Lord first inaugurated the feast of the Passover in that land. It was Israel's great remembrance feast. It was that time when God had delivered the nation out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And as the Lord had told those people at that time, thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. And as those people in Christ's day had come together in the streets of Jerusalem, it was to remember all that the Lord had done for them, for the forefathers, all of those years before. But it wasn't simply to remember what the Lord had done for them. It was especially to remember how the Lord had done what he had done for them. In Exodus chapter 12, you have the whole arrangement, all the stipulations with regards to the first feast of the Passover. They were to take a lamb. The lamb was to be perfect. Insofar as anything in this fallen world of ours could be perfect, the lamb was to be perfect without spot or blemish. They were to separate it. And for a period of days, they were to examine the lamb to see that it was perfect in that sense. It was scrutinized, it was prodded, it was looked at in every way. And if it was declared to be fit for the sacrifice for the Passover, they were to take it and they were to kill it. They were to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the doorposts and lintels of their house with this word from the Lord. This night, said the Lord, I will pass through the land of Egypt in judgment, but when I see the blood, the blood of the lamb, I will pass over you. And so for all of those hundreds and hundreds of years that followed on from those days in Egypt right up until that day when the Lord stood with his disciples in the city of Jerusalem, the children of Israel remembered and they remembered how God had redeemed them out of that land of Egypt, their forefathers. And as I say, that remembrance, that Passover always culminated in the killing of the lamb. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And it's against all of that background that we understand what the Lord is going to do, what the Lord is going to say with regards to himself and with regards to the disciples as well. It's the Lord's Apostle Paul who refers to our Lord Jesus Christ as being our 
Passover. First Corinthians chapter 5. For even Christ, our Passover, he says, is sacrificed for us. And you can see why he uses that kind of language in the way that he does, because Paul, of course, was steeped in the Old Testament scriptures of the Word of God. You may know Matthew Henry's great rule of interpretation when it comes to the two Testaments. And he said the New, the New Testament is in the Old concealed and the Old is by the New revealed. As the Saviour says, these are they which testify of me. And you go back into those things that took place in that time So that when Paul says, by the Holy Spirit of God, Christ is our Passover, and he is our Passover who has been sacrificed for us. For a start, if you think of that lamb, the lamb was to be perfect, as I say, insofar as anything could be perfect. And they took it, and they prodded it, they scrutinized it, they examined it, they re-examined it until it was pronounced fit for the purpose that God had intended. Now, my friends, that's Christ. That's Christ, you see. They were going to be redeemed by the blood of that lamb out of the land of Egypt. But Christ would come into the world to redeem us, to redeem all who would believe in his name through what he would do once he had come into the world. In a very short period of time after these upper room things, Christ is going to be taken and examined. He is going to be put on trial. He is going to be scrutinized. He's going to be accused. He's going to be judged. He's going to be condemned for all kinds of sins and blasphemies and sedition against the state. But at the end of the day, The examiner, Pontius Pilate, is going to have to say, I find no fault in this man whatsoever. As Pilate's wife will tell him, have nothing to do with that just person, for I have suffered many things in a dream because of him this night. They sought false witnesses against him, and they found none. You see, this is my body which is given for you. And that was the body of his flesh in which he had come to be our saviour. Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Not only was he perfect, he was whole and perfect, not like the old lambs. He was the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world. Same with the cup. He took the cup, the New Testament, and my blood, he says, which is shed for you. When I see the blood, said the Lord, I will pass over you the blood of the Lamb. And Peter, the other great apostle, for as much as ye know, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. 
When we sit down to remember the death of Christ until he comes again, we are remembering the death of our Redeemer, our Passover lamb. It's not simply bread and wine. It's what Christ says, this is my body and this is my blood. These few words from Charles Hatton Spurgeon, If now with eyes defiled and dim we see the signs, but see not him, O may thy love the scales displace and bid us see him face to face. We are remembering what he did and how he did it. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. And so when the Saviour says, do this in remembrance of me, as I say, doesn't simply mean, of course, break bread and drink mine. He is saying, see beyond the bread and the wine and see what I have done for you. The bread is my body, which is given for you. The wine is my blood, which is shed for you. As with the old, so with the new. As it had been in the Old Testament, Egypt, when God redeemed the people from that physical bondage, so it was to be, and so it is, as Christ has come in order to redeem us from sin, from death, from hell, from the devil, from whatever it is that would hold us in bondage. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And as our Lord sat down with the disciples in that upper room, as I say, that was the the setting. It was against the background that he did what he did and said what he said. In verse 15 of our reading, And he said unto them, With desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Or in the words of John the Baptist, of course, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the big question, you see, for any of us, has he taken away your sin? Has he taken away your sin? Because that's the all-important thing. That's the warrant for us to sit down and remember him as the one who has taken away our sin. Let's just look at those words of the Saviour a bit more deeply, uh, if you think. Those things that he said concerning himself and then those things that he said concerning us. And again in that verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Or as we have it in another one of the accounts of the upper room, this is my body which is broken for you. And in that other account we're told that when he had said these words, they went out into the Mount of Olives, they sang a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. Eventually they would come into the Garden of Gethsemane 
And that's when those words of the Saviour concerning himself began to be really fulfilled in all their fullness. In Gethsemane, when he goes into Gethsemane, a whole mob comes out against him. They come out with swords and spears and uh, soldiers, whole company of them. They tie him up. They bind him. They lead him away to Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And it's there in the judgment hall of Caiaphas that they take the Saviour. They blindfold him. They mock him. They punched him on the face, it says. When Caiaphas had finished with the Saviour, he was sent to Pontius Pilate. Pilate sent him to Herod. It was Herod's men who dressed him up in a mock purple robe like a king and mocked him. They sent him back to Pilate. And it was there in Pilate that they took him again. They plaited a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. They beat him with rods. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body, he says. And as I say, to hear those, not just to read the words with our eyes, or to hear somebody reading the words in our ears, but to listen to the words. To listen to the words as from Christ to us. So when he inaugurates the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, the communion, however we want to put it, it's all of that that he is telling us to take into account as we partake of the bread and the wine. And here's the point, you see. Christ knew all of that was going to take place with him. It was totally voluntary. He had come to do what his father had given him to do, and he knew what he had to do. If you take the whole setting again, and some things that might appear to be incidental, there are no incidentals in the Bible. Please, please take that into account. And as we read, just read those verses again. Verse 10. And he sent Unto them, they said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house wherein he entereth in. And he shall say, ye shall say unto the man of the house, the owner of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, and there make ready. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. They went and found, as he had said unto them. Of course they did. Because in all his sovereign will and purpose, he ordained all of those things to be. They did find a man bearing a pitcher of water. Now, that was unusual. Rightly or wrongly, it was always the woman who went out to the well and brought the pitchers of water. But, says the Lord, on this occasion, you'll find a man 
bearing a pitcher of water. They found that. They went and followed him. They said to him, where is the guest chamber that the Lord may eat the Passover with us? And all of those things were ordained and all of those things went before. No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down of myself. The Lord had done that kind of thing before when he was going to fulfill prophecy and ride into Jerusalem, seated upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass, he told the disciples where they would find that ass. Just as you enter into the village, he says, you'll find an ass. He'll tell them what state it will be in. It'll be tethered to a gatepost. He told them what to do. Loose it and bring it to me. And he said, and if anybody questions you and says, what are you doing? Simply tell them, the Lord hath need of them. And that will be the end of all controversy. When the Lord took the bread and broke it and told the disciples, this is my body, which is given for you, he knew And he always knew what he was to do when he came in that way. And again, as with the blood, so with the cup, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. And when they took him and nailed him to the cross and pierced his hands and his feet and his side, that was the final act when they killed the Passover as the culmination of all that was to take place. And again, he was totally aware of that, told the disciples on more than one occasion, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written in the prophets concerning me shall be fulfilled. For he shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, spitted on, And they shall scourge him and put him to death. Nothing that Christ did was done in a vacuum. All in the eternal purposes of God to redeem a people. All of that had been spoken of, shown forth in the old. Because it was to come to its fullness in the new. In that other version that I said, that other account of the upper room, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. That hymn that they sung was one of five hymns, five psalms, that they always sang in connection with the Passover. They were called Hallel psalms, holy psalms. And the final one was the 118th psalm. God is the Lord who unto us hath made light to arise. Bind ye to the altar's horns with cords the sacrifice. Christ sang about the cross. The sacrifice that was himself that would be nailed to the cross. Did he not know what he had to do to redeem a people from their sins? Do we know? 
Do you know? Do we take it in? Do we appreciate that this is the word of God? And it's the word of our salvation when we believe it as given to us as from the Lord. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. Those words that he spoke that night, all to do with himself and what he had come to do for us. Just to conclude, those words that are meant to be taken by us and applied by us. You take that phrase, for you, for you. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. Is that you? Is that me? You see, in the realms of eternity, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, that goes without saying. But in the realms of time, and here's a blessing, all who are the Lord's know that they are the Lord's. And they know that they are the Lord's because they believe that Christ, as the apostle says, loved me and gave himself for me. There's no other hope. There's no other salvation. There's no other redemption. There's nothing that we can bring before God apart from Christ and the words that he said. That night in that Passover in the land of Egypt, you see, what determined everything was the blood of the Lamb. When the Lord said, I'll pass through the land this night in judgment, he didn't say, when I see the house, I will pass over you. Or when I see the people that are in the house, I will pass over you. No, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood applied to the house and for the persons within the house. To see how the bread and the wine always sit apart from one another on the communion table. And that can be a stark remember of the fact that it wasn't the precious blood of Christ coursing through the Saviour's veins that would save us. It was the precious blood of Christ poured out on the cross that would save us. He would be a perfect lamb, but the perfect lamb had to be killed. And again, as I say, When all of that came together, that time, when the Lord sat down with his disciples, it was against that background, and it was the fullness of all that had taken place all those hundreds and hundreds of years before. It was all of that that had now come to its fullness. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be And so he sent his disciples in all his sovereign will and purpose. They found all things exactly as he had ordained them to be. He sat down with them to eat the Passover. And as he had done that, 
Then he moved from the old to the new. He took bread and gave thanks and break, gave it to them, saying, This do in remembrance of me. Thy body broken for my sake, my bread from heaven shall be. The testamental cup I take, and thus remember thee. You see, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the communion, all of the, it's simply a gathering together, really, of the gospel and the facts of the gospel. Take, eat, drink. That's the gospel. And when it comes to Christ and all of that, that night, I give, he said, I give, you take. I do all the giving, you do all the taking. And that's the gospel, my friends. That's the gospel. In the words of the psalmist in anticipation, by the Holy Spirit, of all that was to come, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Take, says the Saviour, take. This do in remembrance of me. And if we have come to know all of the benefits of the gospel to our souls for time and for eternity. What a blessed invitation the Lord gives to us to remember all of that that is and is yet to be. I don't know many of you within the building, but this is the warrant for sitting down and remembering Christ as our Redeemer, who has done all things to redeem our never-dying souls. And may that be a blessing for each and all of us, for his name's sake. Amen. Now let us pray. Our gracious God, as we come before thee with our prayers and Ask for thy blessings to answer our prayers to that end. Help us to call to mind all that we have in Christ Jesus, thy Son, the one whom thou hast so freely given, that we might be so freely saved. Bless us now as we continue and help us to know and remember, take it to our hearts and our souls, the very words that the Saviour spoke. Amen.